I remembered something I'd once read. That a representative owes the people not only his industry, but his judgment. And he betrays them if he sacrifices it to their opinion. That was written by Edmund Burke, a member of the British Parliament. But everybody everywhere is ordained with natural rights. Everyone everywhere is created in the image of God with natural rights, and government is just our shared project to secure those rights. Government is not the author or the source of any of our rights. The government that governs least governs best. And maybe we can do all this stuff with more freedom. The one question I want to ask on every issue is, is there a way to do this with more freedom? The answer is sometimes no to that question. We should at least ask that question. to be self-evident. All men are created equal and endowed by their creator certain inalienable, unchangeable rights. If this isn't a reason why we broke away from the United Kingdom, I don't know what is. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, I have a right to live and no king can take that away. It's my God-given right. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. This is FritzCast. Welcome, welcome everybody. It is Friday, May 11th, 2018. And first and foremost, allow me to open the show by telling you that I apologize because I can hear it right now as I record it. I can hear slight reverberation in the background. And that is because I am actually sitting and recording my first podcast episode ever in my refinished office. That's still not actually finished. Let me qualify that. If you've been following along my Twitter, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you've seen that I've been tearing apart and putting in this new uh, laminate flooring in my house. Room by room, I'm getting rid of the carpet, I'm putting this stuff in, And this room was the first room because originally this room was the useless third room that we put all our useless junk, meaning that we couldn't use the room for anything. And, uh, you know, among our journey here, we've had uh, a couple of different people, you know, friends coming in, living with us. So we'd rent out the room to them. And then we had a bunch of cats and we were taking care of kittens. And, you know, long story short, that carpet got destroyed and it smelled terrible and we hated washing it. So we decided, you know, let's... We, we have a lot of pets anyway. We have three dogs and uh, two cats running around here. And so the carpeting, you know, it, it becomes a, a, a chore. It becomes a very big burden to keep the carpet clean. And it becomes a very... We bought a carpet cleaner and everything, and we cleaned it pretty much like seasonally, like every, every three, four months. Give it a, a full-on steam cleaning ourselves and we just came to the conclusion that like hey we hate carpets like what the hell it was the carpet that we bought the house with so it wasn't exactly top-notch high quality carpeting it was the carpeting that the freaking house contractor flipper guy put in here so it sucked so we were annoyed with it and we were annoyed with the upkeep and we knew we didn't want to spend a lot of money on expensive carpeting And we wanted to, you know, work on the resale value of the house because we know we're not going to be in this house forever. So we were like, what's what's something that we can do to switch it up? We found really nice, beautiful laminate flooring that's like gray. It's a variation of gray coloring and all that. It actually looks like driftwood. I actually have like, we, we bought a painting down at the beach probably, I don't even know how long ago. It was years ago. Sad to say. Uh, it was years ago, but it was. 
and it's a beautiful painting of uh you know the ocean at night with a full moon and the the color in it and the reflections in it is great and it has a driftwood photo frame or or picture frame that they put around it and it's you know that dark gray you know you know driftwood looking thing and surprisingly it works really well for the floor it looks really awesome and it was my first time tearing up a floor and prepping and putting down a new one and making precision cuts and all that jazz. It was actually, parts of it were actually very annoying. If, if you can believe that, if you can believe that the, uh, the process of doing all this stuff was annoying, it was to some extent, just, just, just a little bit. So, uh, in, in, in short though, this room is pretty much done. I have one more baseboard to reattach to the wall. I'm staring at it right now because it's to my left. But the office, you might be like, but you just said it was unfinished, though it's finished. Well, yeah, the flooring's finished. The The closet is going to be finished at the end of the day because it's not a big closet. And the baseboards will be on all of that. But painting... Finding, uh, you know, a nice little throw rug for in here and putting stuff up on the walls to take away from the reverberation that you're hearing right now. That's what that's the unfinished part. Plus, I still have like uh, probably upwards of close to 40 boxes of flooring sitting directly behind me. That's for the rest of the house because the process is now going to move on to the next room in the house. But it'll go much smoother and much faster now because I, I, I this was this room was the learning curve. So now I know how to be a little more precise, how to work a little more efficiently, and so the next room will be miles better, miles and miles better. Uh, that being said, uh, of course, the opening was my special opening today, uh, with some new quotes thrown in there every time I want to. Anytime I bring in that that opening for for speciality purposes it's typically when i feel people need to be reminded of some of the 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 basis of of why i even started podcasting in the first place and there it's usually either historical quotes or quotes that i find interesting or perspectives that i find interesting and and today the switch ups where we had ben sass talking about american exceptionalism in the beginning there about how Rights don't come from the government. The right, the, the government doesn't bestow us with any rights and therefore should not be enabled to take any of our rights away. That bled into the Penn Gillette quote I put in there where he talks about being skeptical of power. He talks about this a lot. You, you want to be skeptical of power and skeptical of what you are granting and allowing your government to do with your life. Hence the question, or hence his stance of always wanting to question, first and foremost, can our problem be solved with more freedom? And that's a very bold question to ask, and sometimes he's, sometimes he's right. Just as he said in that statement, sometimes the answer is, well, no, more freedom's not going to solve the issue. And that's where the debate comes in, but the question should always be asked. It should never be overlooked. It should never be glossed over in any sense of the word. It should be analyzed. It should be debated. It should be a lot of things that don't happen in our current system anymore the art of debating things the art of discussing things the art of playing devil's advocate in your own head to try to understand different perspectives doesn't go on a lot especially in a technological world which we're going to talk a little bit about um, technology and some of the changes that have been going on some of the advancements that have been going on and some things that make me a little crazy, skeptical, and a, and a little bit, just, just a tad bit concerned. I'm not going to say scared, but concerned. But we'll talk about it in a little. But especially with technology today, access to media, uh, and, and very core values that I believe in, our freedom of speech, our freedom to assemble, 
our freedom to exchange ideas freely uh, with little or no restriction. It's very easy nowadays to get lost into your own uh, echo chamber. That's not to say about this echo chamber, my office, because it is literally an echo chamber right now. But everybody, it's it's very easy to connect with people who are like-minded. It's very easy to get your information from people who are like-minded. And it's very easy to just say that your like-mindedness is the right frame of mind and everybody else outside of that is wrong. It's easier for people to do that than to really challenge their thinking and their belief system and say, you know what, maybe I am wrong, maybe the way that I thought was the best way isn't the best way, maybe I haven't been as conscientious as I should be. That bleeds into the middle section I've always had Glenn Beck reciting the uh, passage from the Declaration of Independence, which I altered a little bit this time. Uh, Instead of taking it from his CPAC speech from a couple years ago, I took the very beginning where he reads, we hold these truths to be self-evident, and then I took a snippet from a segment that he did about having that right to life, that right to live. And sometimes I think people lose sight of the fact that everybody does have certain unalienable rights. And that those rights, bleeding back to the Ben Sass comment, those rights were not bestowed upon you by some government. And maybe you're an atheist, maybe you don't believe in God, and you don't like the terminology, but instead of maybe saying the terminology of these were these rights were bestowed and came from God for those that are a little sensitive on that maybe we'll just say they are natural rights they are universal rights they are a blanket that can only really be interfered with if we allow it to be interfered with and we should not allow it to be interfered with certain unalienable rights the right to life, the right to liberty, the right to the pursuit of your happiness. And then if you want to dive in deeper, there is the whole argument of how originally property was supposed to be in that because property was something that was being violated at that time during the revolution by the king and England. And, of course, my introduction always caps off with John F. Kennedy in his inauguration speech when he boldly declares to everybody in America, everybody that lives in this country, ask not what your country can do for you, but rather what you can do for your country. And one of the reasons I include that every time, it's one of my favorite quotes ever from a politician because that quote is very important that quote really think about it really think about it that quote essentially says that people not the government people are far more powerful no far better than the government ever will. One of the things that I get in arguments with people about when it comes to the government and what the government should be controlling and what the government should be doing for people, one of the arguments I get into with people is that government is not the community. Some people would argue that the government is there to work on behalf of the community. But, the government is not the community. The government is not an accurate reflection of the community. And it doesn't take long to dive in to figure out where government inefficiency is, where government waste is, where government neglect is, and where government abuse is. And that 
collectively is what drove me into being a libertarian. And let me finish on my note that I also take the rest of John F. Kennedy's statement. Some people leave it at that, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. A lot of people cut it off right there. He goes on to state, my fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of mankind. And in case anybody here in America didn't realize it, the rest of the world, it's real fun, I guess, for people on the left and progressives to bash America and say we're so behind and point out four other countries. It always seems like it's four or five other countries that have a social contract It's not exactly socialism, per se. They highlight them as socialistic countries, a socialistic countries like Venezuela. Which is, by the way, in case you aren't paying attention to, I don't know, world news or anything like that, it's in the shitter. And things are terrible there. A lot of people point to those same couple of countries that have a social contract, that also have relatively somewhat different lifestyles than we here in America have. With less population than we have here in America, with stricter rules on immigration than we have here in America. It's really funny that people point to those nations and will say that they are miles better and vastly better and have it right and we have it wrong. But people also don't take into consideration all the other countries around the world where this concept of freedom just isn't there. Okay, you live in America. You live in America, which, guess what, is far, far from theocratic elements in comparison to, I don't know, countries where gays can get tossed off of rooftops. Practically by government sanction, in in fact. Does that mean America's perfect? Hell no. Hell no. It's humanity. Humanity will never, ever be perfect. We might strive per- for perfection. We might strive for it, yeah, but it'll never be there. It'll never be there. There will never be a utopian society unless, of course, there, there is, God willing, fingers crossed, some benevolent God up there that has that intention. But here on Earth, we kind of suck at it. And we've been sucking at it since the dawn of man. But I think it's important to reiterate the importances of things like liberty. And the individualized freedoms and, and, and being skeptical of power. And why? I just talked about technology. Technology becoming a bigger thing. One of my new endeavors this past week, which I kind of teased last episode, is I am a, quote, part-time contributor. You could almost chalk it up to as a guest contributor at this point. Uh, because I'm just fresh into this, but I found a website called 71 Republic. 71 Republic is, and this is right from their About Me section on their website, was born out of the mind of three teenagers in the summer of 2016. Originally meant to be a news blog, it quickly changed with plans to be a YouTube podcast, but those never came to fruition. And after the 2016 presidential election, interest in the idea faded. However, in early 2017, one of the three original teams, Mason Mahon, decided to revive the project. And this is pretty much a website that is run by mostly kids in high school. I say kids, they're, you know, teenagers. Young adults, almost. 
But when I found this website, it really did spark an interest in me because these guys are a lot like I was back in middle and high school when I was their age. And it is really, it's slowly starting to let become less weird now, but especially at the time of the, of the 2000s, it was really weird to be that age and so interested in politics. Even when I was going to a school that was a school of the arts full of people who are more on the left and progressive spectrum, whereas at that time I was more of a just a good old ripe GOP boy, you know, doing the right thing for conservatism. I was actually, I, I was the odd man out. And mind you, my beliefs evolved a hell of a lot over the past couple of years, but it still doesn't line up exactly in key with a lot of my fellow former high school friends who I'm sure if they listen to the podcast, they can probably tell that I've become a very different person from that time, especially because I was quiet and didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> but they can tell you I'm a completely different line of thinking than I expressed at that time. So when I found 71 Republic, I took an interest in that. I don't care what your age is for real. I I promote the exchanging of ideas, sticking true to your convictions, standing up and, and saying what you believe in, especially if your message is echoing and promoting liberty. There are certain people who, when they bring up things that are against liberty, that constrict freedom, that constrict things, that try to enforce conformity, that's where I draw some some pretty severe lines just because of principle. So when I found these high school kids and their website, 71republic, dot com. I uh, I went to their about me section and I filled out a little uh, blip and I talked to them. I, got, I had an opportunity to talk to them and now I contribute a little bit to their website. It'll be probably a weekly basis, uh, one one article a week, and then if I can really pump out quality work, um, I will contribute more to them. I'm still going to upkeep on my blog at fritzcast.wordpress.com. But keep your eyes peeled on 71 Republic, and I'll share it on my Twitter and on my Facebook when I post a contribution to them. But one of the things I talked about in my first post ever, which was put up on May 7th, uh, was about China. And this blends in with technology, social media, where, where our standing is, our lives so ingrained in being interconnected online. China has a social ranking system that they're getting ready to dole out by 2020 to have the entire nation enrolled in. Right now they have millions enrolled in it already and it's not optional. It's not something that people can elect to be a part of. It's just how China is. And it is straight up the Black Mirror episode nosedive, or if you're not caught up on Black Mirror or haven't heard of that episode, maybe you watched the Orville. It was an Orville episode called Majority Rule with an upvote-downvote system. This is scary stuff that attacks individual liberty, privacy, almost... Everything that was the embodiment of American exceptionalism. Almost everything. This system in China follows you around in your day-to-day activities. Let's say you go online and you post something about your view or you speak out against the government in a certain aspect. This is something that we do every day in America. Every day you probably speak out, the people who listen to this podcast anyway might, 
speak out against something that the government is doing or are skeptical of something that the government is doing or has an opinion that they want to share. And in China's system, that would be audited into a file about you and give you a rating. And your rating will fluctuate. And your rating is a social ranking that would dictate literally every aspect of your life. Where you can shop for groceries. Where you can shop for anything. Whether or not you're allowed to be a passenger on public transportation. Whether you're allowed money in the forms of a loan. Whether you're allowed to have a high-end job or a low-end job. Whether you're allowed to advance your education at a premier school or if you'd have to go to some public-level school. Everything about this system is scary. And it's all to force some preconceived conformity level. And in China, it's the government that oversees that. The government, city councils, localized governments, sometimes even just tech companies. And these people have no right to know what the process is, no right to know how the points really affect them. Tell me that this isn't trying to control people's behaviors. And enact some kind of conformity. Tell me it's not. It is so, so scary. Especially if you watch the Black Mirror episode or the Orville episode. The Orville episode is probably even a, a tad more drastic. Because somebody joking around, inadvertently, unintentionally offending somebody. Gets so many downvotes that they get sent to a reconditioning where their brain gets fried and they are placed in this neutral medium of being corrected. That's scary stuff. You can read my blog post on it at 71republic.com. It's titled, From Fantasy to Reality, Social Ranking. And I will be making contributions to 71republic as I can uh, because I wanted to branch out and help those guys, and in turn, I believe that's mutually beneficial because they can help me, I can help them, and I will promote them. So 71republic.com, check it out. Now, branching off, I, just sticking on the technology subject uh, real quick, did you catch Google's conference this past week? Google has a... Google Assistant and, and artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence technology is so rapidly advancing. Our world is changing. Our world is changing. And I don't know whether it's for the better, for the worse, or if it is a neutral stance right now with a very hazy, unforeseeable future. AI, robotics, uh, every, everything's taking off. Uh, I just watched a video the other day of, uh, I believe it was Boston Robotics. Boston Dynamics. I stand corrected. And I'm stealing some of this material from Live Science article by Denise Chow. Quote, robotics company Boston Dynamics released a new video yesterday. This was back in February. Showcasing its upgraded Atlas robot. And the footage features a slew of impressive and somewhat unsettling new capabilities. Now that was back that was an, from an article back in February, but just the other day they released new footage of their Atlas robot which can now run, jump over obstacles and avoid obstacles completely. Just a few short years ago, you were watching these videos of robots that could slip on banana peels and and objects would get in the way and they wouldn't be able to handle it. But now, the advancements are so good that these humanoid-looking robots can run, jog, jump. And they're doing this not via radio control. They're doing this just based off their programming. 
this reminds me of watching like the the Honda, I believe it was Asimov robot that could, you know, do some basic things. It was the robot that looked like a spaceman. Except now the technology is becoming even more refined, so they are not as blocky, not as bulky. They're just heavy. Boston Dynamics. Google this and look up this video because it's cool. I will admit it is cool that this robot can literally run on uneven terrain. Not stumble, not fall. Leap over obstacles. Mind you, it will stop and analyze and then jump over an obstacle. Not do it free running, but that's only around the corner at this point. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Google Assistant, in its technology of artificial intelligence, can now or will soon be able to be a personal assistant on your phone that can call restaurants, hairdressers, anywhere that you would need a reservation. It can call and just do it for you. And it can do it so convincingly. The way that the computers are now talking, it flows just like a human being. If you haven't seen it, here's a clip real quick of a demonstration of it making a phone call. Oh, happening out here. Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, that's creepy. It can... Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. Now, that was that was very creepy. Some of the... Only only once or twice were the, was there a hiccup in there that maybe made you think, ah, that might be a robot. Uh, it was too smooth. Now, listen to this one to a small business from Google Assistant. Listen to this. See how many of you? Hi, um, I'd like to reserve a table for Wednesday the 7th. In tiny inflections. For seven people? Um, it's for four people. Four people when? Um, next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Look, I can go, um. Oh, actually, we live here for like, upper like five people. For four people, you can come. How long is the wait usually to uh, be seated? Wow. <laughs> When tomorrow or weekday or? For next Wednesday, uh, the 7th. Oh, no, it's not too busy. You, you, you can come for four people, okay? Oh, I gotcha. Thanks. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow. That, the, the, the fact that this robot, this artificial intelligence, can put inflections into its speech to make it sound more natural, to make it sound more flowing, is creepy. Is creepy. Some people have been so creeped out by this that there's a news report from Mashable that says it will disclose that it's a robot after facing backlash from people saying this is insanity. From people who are freaked out that they wouldn't know that they're talking to a robot. Because those people certainly did sound fooled. Those people certainly thought that they were talking to real people over the phone. And that is where technology sits today. We, we are integrating this thing into our lives. Google Personal Assistant, why? Why make a phone call? There's some people who are so introverted. I'm not going to name names, but one of my sisters might be one, uh, or at least used to be, to the point that they can't call and order a pizza. They go on, their People go online and order food because they don't want to talk to people on the phone. 
Now you don't even have to go online. Now you could just say to your phone, you could say, hey, uh, okay, Google, um, order me a pizza. And it will just throw out options. Would you like me to order pizza from Domino's? Or do you want it from uh, the local mom and pop shop here? Where, where do you want me to order it from? And you could say, give me an extra large cheese pizza from this restaurant. And it'll just call them and order it for you. You could call your doctor and make the next available doctor's appointment without you even having to think about how you need to make a doctor's appointment. And it's very stunning because some of the shows that I've listened to, the host, Glenn Beck, namely, talked about this this past week because he is a nut when it comes to this stuff. And I'm slowly becoming a nut when it comes to this stuff when I see how well it's advanced. There's going to be a time where these devices listen to you and you might be talking, uh, you might be talking to your wife or your significant other, talking about how, oh, if only we could have a vacation, but the bills are too tight. And it will look at your bank account. It'll look up different bookings. And it will suggest to you, hey, uh, I heard you talking about this. Glenn Beck perfectly and creepily described this exact scenario on uh, on his radio show this week. Where it'll just listen to your conversation and then it'll be like, hey, I overheard you and this is what I found. These are some suggestions and I think it could work out this way. Do you want me to book You want me to book the uh, vacation for you? And it'll just do it. All you got to do is say yes. And you didn't have to think about it extensively at all. You were just griping about life. Some of that technology <laughs> advancement is scary. Listen to how well that thing speaks. With only maybe one or two spots where I went, ah, that was kind of robotic. But the rest of it was very, very, to a creepy extent, free-flowing. That's insane. That's insane. Now, before I get to the Iran deal business, because I, I will get to that in a minute, I have to read you something that CNN reported in regards to what's going on in Hawaii. So uh, I, I believe that none of you live under a rock. I truly believe that none of you live under a rock, so you should know what's going on in Hawaii. And if you don't, one of the largest volcanoes in Hawaii is spewing lava and gases and ash into the air, and it's very, very scary. Um... Literally, it's the forces of Mother Nature. And by the way, you can't stop forces of Mother Nature like a volcano eruption. That's just part of living on Earth, baby. Uh, Mother Earth is spewing magma and shit out of it, and it is you can't stop it. You can't stop it. And in fact, CNN posted this article titled, People Have Tried to Stop Lava From Flowing. This is why they failed. And the first line in the report is, there's no way to stop lava. This features a picture of a man standing not 12 feet away from a giant lava pile, holding his hand out as if to say, no, stop, stop flowing. I don't know if he's using the force to try to stop it. I don't know if he's an evil sorcerer that beckoned the lava from the core of the earth. I don't know what I do know, and this might send me to hell. And I don't I, like. I do not care. <laughs> I do not care. Clearly, this guy has never played the floor is lava because it quite literally freaking is. It's lava. You can't stop lava. Thankfully, so far from what I've read from reports, there have been no reported fatalities or serious injuries. However, it's lava. If you've ever seen Dante's Peak or the movie Volcano, lava comes out and destroys everything. And that is very scary. But guess what? That's something that cannot be quelled. That is raw Mother Nature, scary powers and forces 
of nature at work. Very, very scary situation. And the, the photos and some of the videos are unreal. You can go online right now and watch a, a video of a uh, Ford Mustang being engulfed in lava. All right, the damage is done, and there's just rock left behind. So, with that being said, I would like to present the Floors Lava Champions to Hawaii, and let's never play this game again. All right, now to Iran. Let's go. Let's let's out with it. What you're hearing is the Iranian parliament uh, chanting their favorite phrase, death to America, while lighting paper American flags. I mean, they had them printed out, I guess, uh, in mass, ready to burn them anyway, because that's what Iran does. Uh, chanting death to America after Donald Trump announces that we are pulling out of the Iran deal, the Iran nuclear deal, or more importantly phrased, the joint comprehensive plan of action with signatories from China, France, Germany, the European Union, Iran itself, Russia, the United Kingdom, and the United States, which is now exiting, and the purpose was nuclear non-proliferation. The Iran deal, as many people may not know, wasn't some agreed-upon legislation from America. It was more of Barack Obama's I have a pen and I have a phone and I can use that pen to sign executive orders and take executive actions and administrative actions. Okay, this was that was what um President Barack Obama stated. You know, we're not just going to be waiting for legislation. I've got a pen, I've got a phone, I can make things happen. When back in December of 07, candidate Barack Obama told the Boston Globe that if he won the 2008 election, he would enter the White House committing to rolling back the sort of overreaching executive power that had characterized the presidency of George W. Bush, stating that, quote, the president is not above the law, end quote. Now, many of us, myself included, uh, look at President Obama's reign, not as the peaceful, perfect, everything was hunky-dory, everything was right in the world, presidency of America. Okay, I'm reading from Reason Magazine and Nick Galepsi, somebody who else in the libertarian world that I tend to agree with more often than not. Um, quote, say what you will about Donald Trump pulling the United States out of the Iran deal. Personally, I wish the United States had stayed in, but this sort of zigzag is exactly what happens when you end up governing with your pen and your phone. If Obama had tried to negotiate the Iran deal as a treaty rather than an agreement, he would have needed the Senate to sign off on it. Same thing with U.S. involvement in the Paris Accords and a bunch of other signature achievements. He would have almost certainly gotten nowhere with a Republican opposition whose top priority, according to cocaine Mitch McConnell, <laughs> you have to look up, sidebar, you have to look up cocaine Mitch. If you don't know what it is, Google it and thank me later. Back to the article. Making Obama a one-term president. Uh, it would have taken extraordinary leadership, especially in the teeth of a recession and the wake of of the one-party passage of Obamacare to get much of anything done. But what was it that Obama used to say? Quote, elections have consequences, end quote, and you've got to play with the cards you're dealt. It's not complicated. You can either do the hard work to build a consensus and pass lasting legislation, or you can toss off victories that won't last very long. Now Trump, like Bush and Obama, is mostly opting for the latter. What is it with these baby boomer presidents anyway? Not a single one could pass the marshmallow test. 
Indeed, gridlock won't stop the President and Congress from pulling together when they wanted to. As Veronica de Ruggi said, and I wrote in 2012, the ostensibly gridlocked Congress reauthorized the Export-Import Bank Program that gives money to foreign companies to buy U.S. goods, extend sharply reduced rates for government-subsidized student loans, re-up the essential air service program that subsidizes airline service to rural communities, and voted against ending the 1705 Loan Guaranteed Program that gave rise to green tech boondoggles such as Salandria and Abound. None of these were party-line votes. All enjoyed hearty support from both Democrats and Republicans. Another instance of budding bipartisanship is the pork-laden farm bill that extends sugar subsidies, maintains crop subsidies, and creates a shallow loss program that effectively guarantees incomes for farmers at a time when the sector is doing historically well. The bill passed the Senate with 16 GOP votes. Though the House version of the bill is still being worked out, no one doubts it will not only pass, but largely resemble, resemble the Senate version. End quote. You can read the rest of this article, Hit and Run blog, on Reason.com. But the Iran deal wasn't some treaty. It wasn't some big government involvement thing. It was President Barack Obama with a team of other nations drafting an agreement with Iran so that they could get into more things. Under the agreement, Iran agreed to eliminate its stockpile of medium-enriched uranium, cut its stockpile of low-enriched uranium by 98%, and reduce about two-thirds the number of its gas centrifuges for the next 13 years. For the next 15 years, it would only enrich uranium up to 3.67%, and they also agreed not to build any new heavy water facilities for the same period of time. Mind you, not just a week or so ago, Prime Minister from Israel... Benjamin Netanyahu released from his intelligence agencies that Iran had been stockpiling and working on weapons in secretly. And uh, on the 30th of April 2018, the United States and Israel stated that Iran did not disclose a past covert nuclear weapons program to the IAEA, which was required in the 2015 deal. Um, There's still lots of um, controversy in this deal. The other countries say that they're still going to work with Iran. Iran's now burning flags and saying that they're going to uh, uh, just stockpile and shoot back up their programs and go right back to the top. All this is going on, mind you, while North Korea has stepped down. They've released three American hostages, which was a big uh, point the other day in the news. And, And that's something that's, by the way, praiseworthy. We got three hostages back from North Korea. And North Korea, it still seems that this summit's going to happen between him and Trump. I'm still very, very hairy on the whole situation. One of those things where you are just crossing your fingers and hoping and praying for peace, but something seems off about it. But among the uh, continued criticism of the Iran nuclear deal... The thing is, is that Iran, people think that Iran, for some reason, is a golden boy nation out there. I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. People think that Iran is is some golden boy nation in the Middle Eastern region. It, it's part and center of all that destabilized area that, by the way, we've been mucking up for years and years and years. The death to America chance have been going on since the 80s. Okay, Iran has chanted death to America since the 80s, if not even before that time. And what's sad is that you can go online and you can read, and it'll say, you'll, you'll find people that actually legitimately say, oh, when Iran says death to America, they're not saying death to the American people. They don't even have gripes with the American people. It's just the government. And death to America doesn't mean death, actual literal death. It's just death to American foreign policy. It's just some phrase that they have. Foolhardy. 
You know what? That's too soft a word. Bullshit. You can look it up. Hell, Iran's supreme leader. They have a freaking supreme leader. Has interpreted the slogan as death to U.S. policies, death to arrogance. But, but it does not wish literal death for the American people themselves. I don't know. That sounded pretty angry on the parliament floor. And if somebody was standing outside my house chanting death to Fritz and then saying, but I don't mean death to Fritz. I just mean like I wish his personal life was hell and that he lost his source of income and that he would just wither away. Whatever. Uh, Phraseology, not my thing, not my department. But... What can I say? What can I say? Now you have literal missile slinging back and forth between Israel and Iran. And oh, by the way, it's not at each other's countries. It's just in Syria. Because Syria is now, I guess Syria is now just the open warfare ground out there for everybody to have their pissing contests. And looking at the latest March, March is the latest map that I found uh, from the Institute for the Study of War. The control lines in Syria is now predominantly Russian, Iran, and Assad-controlled Versus where Hezbollah is dominating, which is shared with the Russian, Iran, and Assad control. Then there's the opposition control, the Syrian Kurdish control, Turkish opposition control. Oh yeah, and by the way, you know, Iran, right? Everybody is now pissed off that Donald Trump pulled out of the Iran deal, something that the U.S. government did not properly go through chains of power to agree on, they're mad Trump pulled out of the Trump... They're mad that Trump pulled out of the Iran deal because, oh, our relations with Iran are so much better, and they're the same people that are saying Assad needs to go, who is backed by Iran and backed by Russia. What the hell? What what do you want? What do you people want? Who's the good guys? Who's the bad guys? You tell me. Because you're telling me we need to be very wary of Russia and Assad needs to go. But why are we being so bad to Iran when Iran is aligned with those people? Perhaps that's why I'm a little hopeful about the North Korea-South Korea reunion and things going a little better there. But I can't help keep my skepticism away because, you know, everybody wants to go about and say that the world's all hunky-dory and that, you know, America is so screwed up and the rest of the world gets it. Well, the rest of the world doesn't get it. The rest of the world doesn't get it. We're all human beings. We're all stumbling around here. We're all thinking that we're better than the next person for some reason. I don't know why, but that's just a classic example, I think, right there of, oh, you know, if Assad's a bad guy gassing his own people and you want Assad gone, but you're mad that the Iran deal is off the tables, when Iran is back in Assad and, and, and allied with Russia who, of course, meddled in our election and colluded, right? And all that, all that jazz, right? That, that's what, that, that, that happened, right? That was, that's the big thing that the FBI is going on about right now, right? Because Donald Trump colluded with Russia. Russia's with Iran and Assad, and Assad kills children. And I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I really, I don't know. But you tell me that the lines are clear and that everything's understandable. You can go ahead and do that. You can go ahead and try to convince me of that. That's fine. By the way, I, 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 this just came up on my radar. I didn't even know that uh, 
that this story happened, but um, apparently in the Sudan, a 19-year-old Sudanese woman has been sentenced to death for, get this, fatally stabbing the man she was forced to marry who says, who she says, raped her as his relatives held her down. She was forced into marriage and the legal age of marriage is only 10 there and marital rape there is legal. But, you know, America is totally screwed up and doesn't have its priorities right. For more on that story, Google Nora Hussein, N-O-U-R-A Hussein, or simply look up justice for Nora. Now, guys, that's that's going to be it for me today. It has been a full-fledged, nearly almost one hour long of FritzCast. But I had a, a just a lot on my mind this past week, and I had way more time this week than I have had any other week prior to now. Um, I finally got a little laxed up on the busyness. I, I had some time to recoup, as it were. And... What's sad is that I recoup, but then I have to go through the insanity that is the world and politics today. But I do it because I, I hope I hope the, the, the conviction comes out that uh, I'm very concerned with the environment that we're living in right now. In these very trying and ever-changing times, there seems to be insanity around every corner. And you have to find your sane haven of sorts so guys thanks for listening be sure to check out 71republic.com those guys are my friends and uh, I'll be contributing there at various uh, times I'm still upkeeping and working on uh, fritzcast.wordpress.com for my own blog post purposes on twitter it's at fritzqs and uh, facebook.com Slash the Fritzcast. Remember, guys, this is on iTunes, it's on Stitcher, it's on SoundCloud, it's on Google Play Music, it's on pretty much any preferred podcasting platform. And it's available, of course, for free. And, of course, I'm still ad-free. So tell your friends if they want to listen to something that, you know, is not filled with, you know, hey, if you like taking showers, get the Shower Smeller 5000. Like... If you don't want stupid little ads in my thing, I mean, maybe one day it does become monetized. I don't know. But for right now, it's still a self-funded endeavor. But share it with your friends. That's what I need. I need some social media connection, outreach, platforms, all that. So if you liked this episode, even if you didn't agree with everything that I stated in this episode, and hell, if you even want to talk on social media, I mean, hit me up on any of those platforms. And of course, as always, it's fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com for any inquiries, collaborations, setups, whatever, cross-platforming, whatever you want to do, just email or just email, shoot me an email and say hi. You can do that every once in a while too, jerk. All right, I'm wishing you all a well week, and I shall address you all next Friday, barring any unforeseen setbacks like last week. So enjoy your week, guys, and uh, happy Mother's Day out there to all the mothers. Before I tune out, I got to, you know, Little little snippet from my mother. My mother is one of the most amazing women uh, that I know. Uh, the mere fact that she bore eight children. Well, she actually bore more than that, but eight children. Um, had to go through losing her husband to cancer. Continue raising three, four, you know, younger children, having to keep it all together, you know, pick up a job, make an income, having to suffer through her youngest daughter getting cancer and losing her youngest daughter um, and still coming out on top in her role as a mother uh, for me, her youngest child at that time, seeing her struggle through that and take on that, it really instilled into me that 
There is no such thing as impossible. There is no burden that will stop you from doing what you have to do. And she taught me very much so about a lot of aspects of of my life and letting me know and teaching me about things about my father and in raising me to be who I am. And I am forever grateful and thankful, and I love my mother. She is, without a doubt, and all my siblings would tell you, without a doubt, the best mother on the face of the planet. No offense to you other mothers or your mother, but she's the best mother out there. So, I'm sorry. So, best mother of forever goes to my mother, and that's not biased at all. So, shut up. All right, guys. See you next week.